Well, if you're still giving your offering, take your time. If you are getting coffee, take your time. But for the rest of us, come on in. We're going to party. We're going to start. And uh, we're doing a series that um, the goal for the summer is to get into a series called Kingdom Culture. But before I could get into that, I felt like the Lord was dealing with me to do some other things first. And so for the last few weeks, we've been laying this, this sort of foundation, and we're calling it like revelation of truth. And it's just basically basic truths that Christians need to understand, like who God is, um, what, what, who, what the devil is, who the devil is, what our, the authority of the believer was last week. And uh, a lot of you, very positive responses to that. So maybe we'll do a series on that in another time. But um, today we're going to talk about the power and the promises. And the idea here is that these truths are, have to be fundamental understandings. It's not necessarily doctrine as far as like, okay, redemption and salvation and all that stuff. It's kind of like a layer up above doctrine. But these are tr foundational truths in their mindsets that we have to have. They're attitudes and understandings that we have to have in order to build into other things, right? So the Bible talks about building, and it talks about we're being built up into a house. So there's foundational things, then there's like next level things, then there's next level things, and then there's next level things. God is building a house. But if we don't put the proper pieces in place, the very next layer that gets placed upon the house can't stand because it's not supported um, with enough strength. So these types of truths are what enable you to support another layer being put on your house. By understanding who the Lord is, what, what the nature of God is, that gives you the right understanding of how to build upon that. By understanding who the devil is and having the right understanding of what sin is and who's bringing it, that gives you, and, and how he operates in your life, that gives you the proper understanding to begin to build upon your life. By understanding that not everything that happens to you, God is bringing it, right? Good God, bad devil, basic, basic understanding there. And then by understanding what your authority is as a Christian, you can build off of that and not lay back and be a victim. You can live victoriously and you can fight the good fight of faith. Okay? And so today, the, other, the idea today is that the promises of God, the promises of God are there. And God has called us into promises. That's the point. And so we're going to look at Matthew, or excuse me, Mark chapter 4. And the whole idea of Mark chapter 4, Jesus is showing us in this chapter the power of the word. And he says repeatedly, somebody listen. So I want you to grab your ear. Okay, grab your ear. Give it a little pull. Come on, this is interactive. Give it a little pull, Oliver. Come on, pull on out of here. All right? And say, listen up. All right? This is going to be good. All right. So Jesus is just basically given a parable. And what a parable is in the scripture is parabolos. It's alongside of. It means to put two things next to each other and to compare them. And so when Jesus is giving a parable, he's trying to give us understanding of deep things by comparing them to simple things or practical things. That's what a parable is. And so he just gave a parable of a sower who sows the word, and he talks about four seeds. Some fell on the rocky place, some fell on the wayside, some fell among thorns, and some fell on good ground. And he just gives this parable, and then he leaves, right? And while he's away, it says, when he was alone, those around him and with him asked him about the parable. So people say, a lot of these promises, people will say, oh, well, that was only given to the 12 apostles. Well, it doesn't say that. 
It says, when he was alone, those who were with him. So Jesus had an entourage of other, just everyday people, and he had his 12 disciples. And so Jesus is speaking to the entourage, or just the everyday people, and he's speaking to the apostles. And he says to them, they want to know what it was that Jesus just said. What, which is always a good question to ask. What does this mean? Let's act fact, let's practice it. Lord, what does this mean? Expand my understanding. So they ask him, what does this mean? And Jesus says to them, to you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. Whoa. To us, it has been given to know and understand the mysteries of the kingdom of God. The deep things, the deep places, the deep principles, the deep practices, the deep access of the things of God. To us, it has been given. Not to the unbeliever, but to us. And most Christians would, agree, would, would have an argument right there. I know Christians, oh, well, this is, which is just basic truths, Kevin. No, there are deep things. And watch what Jesus does. Watch what he does here. To you it has been given to know the mysteries, but to those who are outside, all things come in parables. Why? So that seeing they may not perceive, hearing they may not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. In other words, Jesus is like, I'm putting it right there to see if they're interested. I'm putting it right here to see if they want more. And if they press in for more, they're given more. This is what Jesus does. He puts the word out there and goes, does anybody want any more? Does anybody want any more? You don't want any more, then you will not understand anything beyond what I just told you. He puts it right out there, and he puts it in the ear. The word goes into the ear. There are Christians all over this city this morning that are hearing life-giving messages, and it's going in one ear and out the other. And he's saying, does anybody hear what I'm saying? Does anybody actually believe that I'm saying something beyond poetry? That I'm not just being poetic here? I'm not just being Longfellow or, you know, uh, Gates, Yates or any of these guys. I'm just, I'm not just a poet that I'm actually saying something to you that's true. To you it's been known the kingdom. But to those who do not want the king's dominion, those who are outside, they see, but they don't understand. They hear, but they do not understand. They don't perceive. They can see it, but they don't, they don't perceive it. Why? Because if they, if they press into it, then there's a turning that happens in their life. People hear the gospel. We live in a nation that hears the gospel. Day in, day out, this nation is bombarded with the gospel. Bombarded. Yet there are people in our country that still will not receive Christ. Why? Because they see and do not perceive. They hear and they do not understand. In one ear, out the other. Whoop, right over their head. And this is the way it is with most of the things of the kingdom of God when it comes to the Christian. Right over our head. And well, we got Jesus. Really? That's great. We celebrate that. We sing hallelujah on that. But don't you know there's more? Don't you know? And the Lord has taught me this. It is a dishonor to me, Kevin, to not press into the things that I've set before you. God has put it in front of you. He said you can have it. And it is an affront to him for us to say we can't have it. Oh, no, Lord, I just, I just can't. He's generous and abundant. You ever seen a king when he tries to give a gift and they don't receive it? Just watch it in the movies. They don't like it. That's in the movies when a king tries to give a gift, you know? Tries to give somebody a gift, and the guy goes, oh, I don't want it, I don't want it. What? How, how could you not take my gift? Why, why do you disrespect me like that by not accepting my gift? Jesus is no different. In fact, he's actually higher. He calls us into the things. So we got to get the mentality that God has put great and precious promises out in front of us, according to Peter, so that we can draw from his divine nature. And so Jesus says this, you don't understand the mysteries. 
And then he says, whoever has ears to hear, let them listen. And what is he asking? Is anybody listening? Hear what the Spirit says. This, that, that statement, hear what the Spirit says. Is anybody listening? Today, if you will hear, the word hearing, the understanding of hearing, is threaded throughout the New Testament. The word in Hebrew is Shema. Deuteronomy 6, they say it three times a day. And what is he saying? Hear, listen, pay attention. And it's not just listening to hear, it's listening with an intent to understand. It's listening that I am listening because I want to understand. I'm listening because I want more. That's, that's what this idea of listening means in the scripture. We've been given the understanding of kingdom mysteries, okay? We have to approach the Lord as a father does, as a child does to his father. We have to come in the position of a learner. And the idea, again, was just this idea is, is that, that it's right in front of people, but yet they don't understand it. The answers to Christians' problems, the answers to circumstances and situations, the answers to the issues that relate to our world are right in front of us. Yet we don't perceive them or we don't understand them. We have to come to the Father as a child. Lord, I don't understand. I don't know. That's when you are going to accelerate in your growth, is when you come to the Lord not pretending that you know everything. You know, we kind of rock, we, we just act like we know everything, right? We, or we don't even ask the question. He wants us to ask the question. Jesus is, again, has to give you some understanding. Jesus is a rabbi. One of the responsibilities of the disciple was to ask the rabbi questions in order that the disciple would learn. So they would travel with rabbis. This goes, you can find this even in ancient Greece. You know, when you find the, the philosophers, they had with them a circle and they, their, their most celebrated students, you know who they were? The ones who asked questions. They celebrated the students that asked questions. They became the star pupil because they wanted to learn and they wanted to grow. Next slide, please. So it's okay to ask questions. He said to them, do you not understand this parable? So he's talking about this parable of the seeds and the sower. And he's telling us, he's going to tell us in this passage that to understand that parable is to understand every other parable. This parable itself is a key. How then will you not understand all parables? The sower sows the word, and these are the ones that fell by the wayside. Satan comes and steals the word away, and what is sown in their hearts. Likewise, the ones that are sown on stony ground, they hear the word, they receive it with gladness, but then they go through a difficult time, and they just throw it all up in the air and leave. Hello. I'm trying to find where I'm at. Here I am. <laughs> And there's those who find it, they have no root in themselves, so they do not adore it. Then when tribulation and persecution arises for the word's sake, to test the word, to make the word come forth or bear fruit, they leave. And immediately they stumble. These are the ones that are sown among thorns. They hear the word, but the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for what? Everybody say it with me. Other things. Say it with me. Other things. The desires for other things choke out the word, and the word becomes unfruitful. But these are the ones that are sown on good ground. Those who hear it... Huh? Here it is, right there. Those who hear it, those who accept it, they bear fruit. Some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. This is the key to all parables. Jesus is comparing the kingdom of God, and he's comparing the word of God to a natural law. Not a man-made law, but a created law, a natural law. And it is the law of seed time and harvest. Seed time and harvest will never go away until Jesus returns. It tells us in the book of Genesis, as long as the earth remains, there will be summer and winter, there will be hot and cold, and there will be day and night, and there will be seed time and harvest. As long as the earth remains, the foundational principle of sowing and reaping will not go away. What we sow, come on, help me out. 
we reap. For with the measure we sow, come on, it's the measure we receive. You get it? So that's the whole idea. The principle of sowing and reaping will never, ever be eliminated. You can't deny it. It will come. And this is really good news if you're sowing the right seeds. This is fantastic news if you're sowing the right seeds. <laughs> Where is my verses? I'm trying to find what's the best angle for me to read from. So here we go. Uh, so this is the key to all parables. It is a cycle and it is a certainty. Come on. This is why the Bible says, be faithful. Do not grow weary in your well-doing for you in due season you will reap if you faint not. Because the sowing of the things into the things of God and the obedience into the things of God and the alignment with the promises of the things of God will produce a cycle of certainty. It is inevitable. We have to be intentional to hear and to do. That is what activates the fruit. So here we have, next slide. I'll get this a second. So what we have here is the activation of the fruit. You have to want to hear it. How do I get there, Lord? Lord, do you have a financial plan? Yes, I do. How do I get there? Lord, do you have a marriage plan? Yes, I do. How do I get there? Lord, do you have a, a, a self-development plan? Yes, I do. How do I get there? Lord, do you have a healing plan and a restoration plan to fix my broken soul? Yes, I do. How do I get there? You have to want to hear it, and you have to want to do it. Hearing and, uh, hearing and obedience or hearing and intentional action is what activates the cycle of fruit. It is not enough to simply hear. Okay, so we have three phases. We have the ones that just go, woo-woo, right out one ear. Then we have others who hear and go, wow, that was great. That was fantastic. But don't do anything about it, right? You have to, hearers of the word, we have to be doers, not just hearers. There again, all these principles align and all these principles interconnect. And so we have to not just hear it, we have to actually do it. When we hear it, receive it, and do it, we activate the cycle of blessing. Understand that? That's what it means. We have to activate the cycle of blessing through hearing, receiving, and doing. The inevitable cycle of certainty begins. But it will not begin until we hear and do. We got that? See? Ever say it with me? Help me, make me, sure, let me, help me understand that you're still there. <laughs> the cycle of blessing will only begin when I hear and when I do. But the good news is that when I hear... And when I do, the cycle of blessing is certain. So here we have the four seeds. What happens? People receive the word of God, and the devil steals it. How does the devil steal it? God speaks a life-giving word over you and tells you to do something, or calls you to do something, or aligns you with a principle. And you're like, yes! And then you leave this place, and the enemy goes, did God really say that? Oh, come on! The Lord really told you that. He's trying to steal the word. I'll tell you a real quick story. We were in this, uh, we were in this uh, service <laughs> in um, uh, atmospheric church, you know, that, uh, and, you know, the pastor gets up and he's asking people to give a miracle seed. And so I know where this is going. So immediately I start to pray. I'm like, okay, Lord, where, where is this? Where do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? You want me to give into this? And the Lord starts talking to me. I'm like, okay. I'm like, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? And so, like, I hear the Lord and I give into that offering, you know? Um, and, and so, immediately, okay, that night, did the Lord really tell you to give that? Oh, you're such an idiot. Why would you do that? You think you're going to get a return on what you gave? You think you're going to get a return on what you offered? You think that's what's going to happen? What's going on? The devil 
is trying to steal the word. Do you think Jesus really heals today? Do you think he really heals today? Well, there ain't any other churches in this city that talk about Jesus healing. Nobody else says that. What makes this guy right? What makes that guy right? It don't make me right, and I'm not even trying to posture it at all. I'm simply trying to tell you what the Bible says and how the enemy attacks you. What makes you think God's going to bless you? What makes you think that? What makes you think you're going to be anything different than you've always been the rest of your life? The devil is trying to steal the seed. You understand that? Story of Abraham. Abraham, I love this story. Abraham makes an offering to the Lord. Hello. He takes the best of his land and he divides it. He cuts, his, he cuts the animals in, in apart. Oxen, lambs, he cuts them apart and he creates. And so when he cuts them apart, what would happen is the two animals and the blood would begin to run together from all of the animals. And it would create a blood path. And, God, and Abraham was expecting... This is when you give, you expect. He was expecting God to visit that offering. Well, what happened? The Lord saw his offering. And he said, wow. And he made Abraham fall asleep. And Jesus came down. And he walked that blood path. He walked that blood path. And he said, because you offered to me, Abraham, and because you love me, and because you sow the seed, I'm going to bless you. And your blessing has nothing to do with you. Abraham was asleep when the Lord walked the blood path and pronounced upon him, surely in blessing I will bless you. Surely in multiplying I will multiply you. Your seed will be great. You will rule the nations. He began to walk the blood path, pronouncing blessing upon Abraham. But before that happened, Abraham divides it. And while he's waiting on the Lord, you know what the Bible says? Birds came down and tried to consume the offering. So for about three or four hours, Abraham was shooing away birds off of what he was offering to the Lord. You cannot offer to the Lord and let the birds come down and just take it from you. You may have to shoo some birds off of what you've given to God or what you're offering to the Lord. You, the enemy's going to try to steal it. Matthew says the birds of the air came and stole the seed. Mark doesn't tell us they were birds of the air. He just says it's, he just flat out tells you it's Satan. The devil just came, man. Let's just get all this out of the way. Well, no birds. We don't have to personify ravens. It was the devil. He came to steal the word. You have to shoo the birds off your offering. The others have a failure to endure. They did not endure. Hardship came. The word was sown. The seed must break in order for life to come. So the pressure is applied to the seed. The soil applies the pressure to the seed in order for it to crack and release life. And so the seed is sown. The pressure of life comes because you've sown the seed in order to cause the seed to crack that the life that's in the seed might come out and people wither. They will not endure through the hardships. They won't endure. Then others get distracted. So others get distracted. The word is sown. The word is received. The word is actually rooted. Okay? But it won't bear fruit because the, the, there's too much distraction going on. Everybody's on their agenda, not the Lord's agenda. Everybody's doing business their way and not the Lord's way. Everybody's doing marriage their way and not the Lord's way. Everybody's raising kids their way and not the Lord's way. That's a distraction. But I'm a rooted Christian, yes, but are you doing it? Are you distracted in the ways that you're going about it? You will not bear fruit. Just saying. The fourth bears increase. So two fall away and two remain. One bears fruit, the other does not. Jesus tells us that the seed is the word and the soil is our hearts. So where is the power? The power is in the spirit and the power is in the promises. The word of God is essentially a book of promise. When you perceive it as such, not just a history book, although it is, 
not just a, uh, a doctrinal book, although it is, but essentially to the Christian, it is a book of promise. You should not be looking for condemnation in that Bible, people. You should be looking for blessing. Huh? There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the Spirit of life has set you free. So I look for promises. All the promises of God in Him are yes and amen. Where's the promise? And so the power is in the Spirit and in the promises. And I get lots of Christians, they want to quote the promises, but they're not doing it in the Spirit. It's, everybody say it with me. It's Spirit and truth. Got it? It's not truth. It's, it's all about truth, Kevin. Um, technically, no. It's Spirit and truth. So you get in the Spirit, and then you begin to proclaim the promises. You get in the Spirit, and then you begin to do the things that are necessary. Because the power is in the Spirit and in the promises. That's where the power lies. The word must enter the heart as a seed enters the soil. So the word has to come in you. That's why we give out promise books, right? We emphasize this here. Promises are fundamental to, this, to what we do here. We want you to know the promises. We don't believe that Jesus left you orphans. We don't believe that he died for you. Now you know him and he's just left you as you are. And one day in the sweet by and by, Jesus is going to come and just free you from this hell on earth. We don't believe that at all. And the reason we don't believe that is because that is not what the Bible teaches. Yea, on all these things we are what? Come on, help me out. More than? Oh, there it is. We are a conquering people, advancing a kingdom upon the earth, advancing the glory and the goodness of God upon the earth. We are not victims, we're victors. And the way we understand that is through understanding authority. The way we understand that is by understanding what your promises are. The way you understand it is by understanding what is yours. You can't fight for what is yours if you don't know what is yours. And you can't know what is yours unless you know that God loves you. And it's yours because just because he said so. Just because he said so. Oh, happy day. <laughs> just because he said so. Because I set my affections upon him. He has set his upon me. Oh, happy day. Come on. That's good news, man. When you get the understanding that it's not based upon you, you will live free. And you will not self-condemn, and you will have no guilt or shame. And I'm not condoning that you do whatever you want. But we try to follow the Lord, and we trip and fall, and then we just beat ourselves up for the next two years over something stupid that we did. Get up, move on. They taught me, year one, Bible school, admit it and quit it. Did you admit it? Yeah. Okay, great. I don't want to hear about it anymore because Jesus doesn't want to hear about it anymore. Move on. Yesterday ended last night. Play's over. Party on. <laughs> Power's in the spirit. The word has to enter your heart, Christian. One of the things I'm going to tell you, you should have a promise book. At the very least, you should have a promise book. You should have a Bible. You should be reading your Bible. You should be listening to your Bible. You should be sowing the word in your heart. And you should be reading, at least reading those promises because the word has to enter your heart. You're here this morning and the word is entering your heart. Jesus said, if you abide in me, if you live in me, that's in him. How are we in him? In the spirit. Here we go, spirit and truth. If we are in him and his word is in us, we will ask what we would desire and it shall be done. What does this mean? God will give you the desires of your heart. Absolutely. Because when you're in him and his word is in you, from his word, he will sire the desire. You will begin to want the things that he wants. And he wants goodness. He wants greatness. He wants beauty. He wants wonder. He wants power. He wants something amazing beyond what you could ask or think. Next slide, please. So he says to them, he tells them what the parable of the sower is. Now he goes back to the seed again. He's going to go back to the word. And he says, 
Is a lamp to be put under a basket or under a bed? No, it is to be set upon a lampstand, for there is nothing hidden that shall not be revealed, nor has anything been kept secret that will not come to light. And watch, what does he say here again? Is anybody listening? That's what he says. Does anybody have ears to hear? If you have ears to hear, listen. And his question, he's asking it. Do you have ears to hear? Is, is anybody paying attention? And then he says to them, take heed to what you hear. Take heed to what you hear. Pay attention to what you're listening for. And two, we were just talking about this in the car the other day. Solomon, the Bible says Solomon asked for wisdom. That, that is true. But what he, if you want the Hebrew understanding, he asked for a hearing ear. He wanted to hear the voice of wisdom. He wanted to be able to discern the voice of God because the voice of God is pure wisdom, plain and simple. The word of God is pure wisdom, plain and simple. And so when Solomon was asked that you would give me wisdom that I might rule these people or govern these people, that I might do the things you ask me, help me to hear you so that I can do the things that you're asking me to do. For with the same measure you meet, it will be given back to you. And for whatever you have, it will be, more will be given. For whoever has, to him will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken away. We are not to hide what has been given to us. Hello. We are Christians. We're light. We're not ninjas, right? We're light bearers. We're hope bringers. And he asks, is anyone listening? And he says, if you want increase... There is more. So the second part here, take heed to what you hear, the second part is actually a statement into something else because what Jesus is calling them to do is to do something with what they've heard. That's what he's saying. The light that is in you, the seed that has been sown, it's all connected. Do something with it. Don't hide it. That's what he's saying. And what he's saying here is if you want to increase the measure of what you have, you have to use it. That's what he's saying. For with the same measure you use, that's what's going to come back to you. Do you get that? It is an ever-increasing kingdom. Can anybody here say, man, when I was in high school, I used to lift 450 pounds, bench press. Can you do it now? Probably not. What could you do? Maybe 120. Well, can you get back up to 450? Well, maybe on a good day, but you've got to work yourself back up into that, right? You've got to work yourself up. You can't just go out here and run a 5K if you're a runner. Just straight off the couch and run a 5K. You have to condition yourself and train yourself into the level of it being able to do that. Musicians, you can't get up here and just shred the guitar first time you pick it up, right? You have to be able to build yourself into it. You have to build yourself into it. This is the way the kingdom is. What you are using is what will be measured back. What you are giving out is what will be coming back. The increase is related to the measure of which one which you are using. For to whoever whom has will be given more, but who doesn't have will be taken away. In other words, what he's saying is if you do not do something with what you've been given, it will fade. It will fade. That doesn't mean anything with salvation. Oh, I'm going to lose my salvation. He doesn't say that. He's talking about the seed and the power of the kingdom that is within you. If you will not do anything with it, it will fade. You ever watch Christians who walk away from the Lord for a while? You ever watch them? The glory fades, right? And they have to come back and do a, there's almost like a, you know, get back on the bicycle again because they've walked away. And they're like, I feel so far from the Lord. Oh, God's left me. God's left me. God hasn't left you. The glory's faded. Get back in position and start doing something with what you have. Do something. I love it. Following the Gospels, it's the book of sitting. Is that right? Huh? Yeah? Is that what it is? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then it's the book of everybody sit down and wait. No, it's the book of Acts. It's the book of action. 
do something. Jesus is an action hero, and so are you. Aren't you glad? Right? We can do judo kicks through windshields and stuff like that. You know, like that crazy stuff. Let's do it. Let's go wild. Is anybody listening? With, the, with whatever you use, that's what's going to increase. You want more prophetic? You want to walk in the prophetic? I tell people, then start stepping into the prophetic spirit. Start using it, and you will increase with it. You want healing, and you want to see healing virtue flow. That's why Christians are like, Jesus doesn't heal. And you know what? I always love it. When somebody tells me Jesus doesn't heal, I ask them, how many people in the last year have you prayed for for healing? And you know what the answer inevitably is? Zero. Zero. And so how many people do you think you're going to be, are going to see the, God, the power of God move if you've prayed for exactly zero? You're going to get zero. You can't score if you don't shoot the ball. And we learn by doing. When you're doing, the Holy Spirit begins to partner with you when you step into it. He will not tell you anything other than a prompt. He'll give you a prompt, and then when you step into the prompt, he'll begin to work with you. But if you will not step into the prompt, he will not work with you. Kingdom principle. It's the way it is. We have to step into it. Step into it. And God guides as you step into it. Just saying. If we do nothing, it will fade. Action and obedience are required to activate the promises. Let's just say it again. Action and obedience are required to activate the promises. Next slide. So Jesus takes them through this whole chapter, and his whole emphasis is the same thing. The word, the promises, the activation. The word, the promises, the activation. The word, the promises, the activation. That's what he's trying to emphasize here. And then he says, the kingdom of God... It's as if a man should scatter seed. What does he... Okay, here's a, little, here's a little rule for you. When you're reading your Bible, and anywhere you see the kingdom of God, and whenever the word kingdom of God is used, he is talking about the rulership and the dominance of God's power. That's what he's talking about. So if we want to see the rulership and the dominance of God's power, this is why he's referencing that, kingdom. He didn't say heaven is like that. And even when it does say heaven, you know what Jesus uses? The kingdom of heaven. Heaven is like, heaven is like, and he says the kingdom, the dominion, the power, the rule and the reign of God in breaking looks like this. Scattering seeds upon the ground. Whether we sleep by day or sleep by night, the sprout will grow. For the farmer does not know how, but the seed grows and the crop yields by itself. First, everybody say this with me. First the blade, then the head, then the full head. And say this with me. When the grain ripens, put in the sickle. The dominion of God comes by scattering seed. It is a growth cycle. The kingdom of God, when it is released, is a growth cycle. That's why Jesus goes from increasing with the measure you use will be measured back to you and immediately gives them another side of it and shows them again the increase of the growth cycle. You get what he's trying to say? This is something that increases as you go. It increases through your effort by doing it, but it increases on its own through the supernatural power that God has placed within it. So the growth cycle will happen through your intentional actions, and the intentional actions activate a growth cycle that God has built into this whole thing. That's what it looks like. So it's you and him. It's always you and him. It's always him and you, you and him, him and you, you and him. It's never him alone, and it's never you alone. It's a divine partnership and has been so from the very creation of man. Adam was created in divine partnership. You and I were created in divine partnership. Communion with the Lord. Common union. Mission. On mission with Jesus. Divine partnership. 
scatters the seed in the heart. So what does this mean? So the farmer scatters the seed. Where is he scattering the seed? In the heart. When the seed is put into the heart, it will inevitably bring forth fruit. It will begin to work. Our job is to respond to the working of the seed within the heart. Most Christians do not respond to the working of the seed within the heart. God is saying when the, when the, heart, when the seed within your heart is producing fruit, grab it. Grab it. When wisdom is coming into your heart from the seed that you've sown into your heart, grab it. Immediately thrust in the sickle. But it's also telling us about patience. Be patient. The, seed, the blade, the head, then the full head. People are like, I'm going to build this. Well, have you ever built that? No. Well, why don't we build the blade, then we build the head, then we build the, the thing. So David did when he killed the giant. He killed a lion and a bear before he ever took down the giant. He killed the blade, he killed the head, and then he went after the main head. There's a progressiveness. There's a release from the heart. So we sow the seeds within our heart, and we release it from our heart, and it's talking about faith. Mustard seed is faith. How do we release the promises? We confess the promises. Some of you, you need to open your mouth. You need to read the Bible, and you'd say, I declare in the name of Jesus, I am blessed in my coming in, and I am blessed in my going out. I declare that the favor of God overtakes me. I declare that men freely give into my hands. I declare that wherever I go, I walk in favor. I declare that wherever I go, I will not be offended. I declare that wherever I go, I have victory. And you go, Pastor, that just doesn't sound natural. And you know what? It's not. It's not natural. You know what it is? Say it with me. Supernatural. Boom! There it is. It's not natural. It's supernatural. It is the way of the kingdom. We speak forth what is true. We confess over us. They overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testifying. Testimony is far more than I'm saved. I'm saved, devil. Don't you know I'm saved? That's good. If that's where you're at, that's good. But let me tell you testimony. I am a son, and I have a right of inheritance. The things of heaven are mine. That is my testimony. My testimony, devil, is I have authority here. You do not. That's your testimony. And we can build out from there. The blood of the lamb is what gives you that position. The testimony is what makes it come forth. Just try it. And just keep doing it. I'm blessed and highly favored. The blessing of the Lord is coming upon me. The blessing of the Lord is coming upon me. And then you got a little devil come down with a little raven. Woo, woo, woo. And ain't no blessed today. That lady just stole your parking spot. Woo, where's the blessing? Blessing of the Lord is upon me. But, you know, whatever it is, go to Deuteronomy 28 and read all the blessings and declare it. Your kids don't look blessed. I think he says three times in that chapter, I will bless the fruit of your body. I declare in the name of Jesus that the fruit of my body is blessed. It's blessed. You put that over your marriage because the Bible says you two are one. I declare that my marriage is blessed. I declare that my relationship is blessed. I declare that my barns are full. They might be empty and there's nothing but dust in those barns right now, but I just declare that those barns are full. Say, that doesn't sound natural, Kevin. It's not. You know what God's going to do? When you begin to activate the promises, okay, we think it's like Publisher's Clearinghouse, like somebody's going to come up with a check. You know he's going to, it's, it's not. You know what he's going to do? He's going to activate dreams. He's going to activate ideas. He's going to activate opportunity. And he's going to show you what you're supposed to do. It's not like, hey, here's your check. Woo, here's the balloons. 
You know, no, he's going to go, wow, the blessings are going to come upon you. I want you to begin to do these things. I want you to begin to go to this place. I want you to begin to go to these other things. These, these are the things I want you to do. The gospel wears work clothes, right? Jesus wears dickies, okay? He's got a jumper on. He's, he's ready to go to work. Are you? Okay? Yeah, that's how it works. You declare it, and God, be, it's something, it, not only does the environment activate, something, because the seed is in you, is what it's saying, Something supernatural activates in you too. Ask the Lord, I declare that I have wisdom to do this job. I declare that I have revelation and understanding. We went and prayed for, um, we went and prayed for uh, Oliver's grandfather in the hospital. Okay, I love doctors. I bless doctors. But let's just be honest. They really don't know what they're doing. I mean, let's just, can we just be, can we really call the elephant out that's in the room, right? They, they're guessing. They're stabbing in the dark the whole time. They don't know. You ask them, what's wrong? Well, we don't know. What's wrong? Well, we don't know that either. What's wrong? What do you know? Well, the question is always, well, what do you know? Well, we don't know anything right now. We just don't know. And then all of a sudden, the person gets healed, and what happened? We don't know that. We don't know how the person got better. Something worked. Whatever the 30 things was that we gave them, uh, something happened. And so we're there, and we're going in to pray for his grandfather. We went there a couple of times, and I'm praying, and Oliver's just expressing all of his frustration with all of these doctors. And so I'm in the room, and I'm just beginning to pray and just beginning to just kind of go through these little processes that God has kind of taught me. And one of the things I heard the Lord say is he said, Kevin, release a prophetic spirit in this room so that when these doctors walk in, boom, they're hit with something, and they go, I don't know what to do, but I think this is what we need to do. They don't even know why. The prophetic is an atmosphere. Saul walked into an atmosphere, boom, and started prophesying. And people looked at Saul and said, is Saul among the prophets? Well, Saul had not received an anointing as a prophet, but Saul walked into the atmosphere of the prophetic and began to declare. And then as I'm in there and I was telling Oliver in the side room, I go, I was releasing a prophetic anointing in the room. So the doctors, when they came in, they knew what to do. And then I'm over there, and it was the ICU ward, and I'm hearing in the room, the Lord's kind of going, okay, great, Kevin, I got you to understand that. Now let me show you another level. And then he started telling me, release a prophetic anointing on the whole ward. So that any doctor that comes upon this ward is going to go, I don't know what, I just feel like this is what we're supposed to, they're going to know what they're supposed to do. They're not going to know, they're all of a sudden they're going to think, man, I'm a genius. Well, whatever, you're a genius. But we know it's the anointing of God. Come on. Yeah. Mm. The word is near you. It's in your mouth and your heart. Where's the word? That's right. What does that say? We have to put it in here, and it's got to come out here. It's not enough to just put it in here. It needs to come in here, but it's got to come out here. And you don't have to do this. You don't have to stand on a street corner and look all crazy to where somebody's going to come and take you off to the loony farm. You can do it in your bathroom. You can do it in your car. You can do it somewhere. You can do it in private. You can do it with your spouse who's accompanying you and in agreement with this. But you just begin to declare, and you just begin to release. And you do it without emotion. And you do it without feeling. If the emotions are there, ride them. But most of the time when you're beginning to do this, the emotion, the enemy, the, the seed stealer is going to push back. He is going to always challenge you in the arena of inheritance. Always. If it comes to inheritance, the enemy is going to challenge you. Kingdom of heaven, the dominion of God is what suffers violence. It doesn't even say that the gospel suffers violence. It says the dominion, the inbreaking of the king's authority is what suffers the violence. What the enemy violently opposes is the inbreaking of the king's authority. You understand that? When you understand the language of the scripture, things start getting clearer. 
And we get past some of these things that we've taught for, for I, I, I tell my wife, I think we're in like 1876 with the way that we teach. You know, I mean, we teach things that, it, and I'm not talking about progressive revelation, but we teach a, an understanding that is not applicable. It doesn't, it's not even true today. It's not even true. It's not, it, was, it was barely true then. They found that they, they entered into some little level of a greater truth, and so they just peeked their head into this little arena of this greater truth, and they built a camp there. They didn't press into the greater truth for greater understanding. And so we do these things, and we just teach things that, that, that they're, they're just, you know, they're just there. And it's like, that is not the fullness of the understanding. That is not the fullness of the understanding. I'll give you one real quick. My grace is sufficient. You heard that one say, spoken? Oh, God, we built an altar on that. Well, Kevin, the Bible says that God's grace is sufficient for you to endure your hardships. Read it in the original language. It does not say, my grace is sufficient. The Bible uses the word charis for great, for grace. Charis. Anytime the word charis is used, it is spirit power. Now let me reframe it for you in the original language. I prayed, Lord, take it away. And the Lord said, Paul, my spiritual power is enough for you. Take authority, Paul. Stop asking me to do something that I've told you to do. The spiritual power, the charis that I've given you is sufficient. It's where we get the word charismata, the movement of the gifts. All of the power and the movement of the gifts in the spirit are rooted in the word charis. Therefore, if the word charis is mused, we can understand the Bible is intending spirit and power. He didn't say, my condolences are enough for you, Paul. He didn't even say, my presence is enough for you, Paul. He said, the spiritual power that I have released, the resurrection power that I have given to you is sufficient for anything and everything you will face. Totally reframes it. Totally reframes it. Bring in the Greek lexicon, bring in the Greek theologians, and we'll debate the word charis, and they're going to come to the conclusion, you're right. Because I am right. It's charis. It is rooted in the scripture, and it means the same thing everywhere it's applied. We cannot take charis to mean spiritual power and then apply it over here and go, well, it doesn't mean a spiritual power here. There's a law of Bible study called hermeneutics. You cannot cherry pick. If you begin with charis being uh, spiritual power, which means it has to continue all the way through. You can't go, well, charis means spiritual power over here, and charis means condolences over here. It's the same thing with the sovereignty of God. Well, we believe that God is sovereign over here, but we don't believe he's sovereign over here. Is he sovereign or is he not? We believe that Jesus was fully man and fully God. Yes, but when he was on the earth, he walked as a man in the power of the Spirit. You can't say, well, he was acting like God here, and he was acting like man here. No, he was a man. He, God became man, laid aside his deity, and walked in the power of the Spirit. That's the understanding. You can't say, well, Jesus was God when he walked on the water. Who was he on the cross then? Because if he was God on the cross, then we're not saved. He didn't die as God on the cross. He died as a man. You understand this? He was fully God. I'm not saying he was never God. He is God incarnate in flesh. That's a whole other teaching. Am I losing you? No? Okay, good. I don't want to lose you. <laughs> Kevin's going off down the road. Launching the rockets. Fourth of July. Anyway, next slide, please. To what shall we like in the kingdom of God? There's again our word. What is the inbreaking of the, of the Lord's power like? What does it look like? What shall we picture it? It's a mustard seed sown on the ground, smallest of seeds. He's going to talk about faith. Faith. 
Dominion comes through faith. Colossians, I love this verse. It says, have the abundance of faith with thanksgiving. Where does the abundance of faith come from, Christian? You should know how to break the Bible down. You hear me do it a lot. He just said it. It comes through, it, not just word, but it comes, have the abundance of faith with thanksgiving. It's in that, what I just said. Where does the abundance of faith come from? With thanksgiving. The abundance of faith is released through thanksgiving. So because faith is activated when you don't feel it, we thank God whether we feel it or not. We thank God in the season that we are, whether we are in season or whether we're out, we thank God, and what it does is it begins to produce the abundance of faith. Faith begins to rise within your heart. Father, I thank you that you love me. I thank you that in spite of everything I'm going through, I know you are for me. I thank you that no matter what I think, feel, or what is happening to me right now, this is going to work out for my end. You begin to pray and begin to thank him. Open your mouth. I feel like the Lord has been telling me, tell this church to open their mouths. Tell them to open their mouths. So I don't know if you've noticed the theme lately. <laughs> open your mouth. Say it. You have to act upon the promises. Do what they say. What does it mean? So we have to have faith. So how do the promises activate? This idea of faith. Jesus said, sow the mustard seed. Do something that seems insignificant. It seems insignificant to confess over your life. Does that seem significant to you at all? Does it seem significant to you to go, I'm the blessed and highly favored of the Lord? To the natural mind, we'd clap and go, oh, wonderful speech. How insignificant. How insignificant, Kevin, for you to say? Because it, it really doesn't, to, uh, to the natural man, it doesn't mean anything. But the Bible says you're sowing the mustard seed. You're sowing the mustard seed. You're doing something that seems insignificant, but it will cause a great result. Come on. Is anybody here? This is good stuff, man. You have to act upon the promises. Do what they say, the conditions. Whatever the Bible says, we do. It's spirit and truth, like I was telling you. Deuteronomy 8.18. You ready for this? Buckle up, because this is good. We're going to go, we're going to go, we're going to... We're going to ride the Hulk right now. Say it with me. The Lord my God has given me the ability to obtain, why don't you say it really strong, wealth that I might establish his covenant in the land. What did he say? He didn't say he's going to bring you wealth, although promises come upon you, but he's given you the ability to get it. He's given you the creative ability to see, to understand, to make wise choices, and to move into it. He has given you the ability to obtain wealth. Wealth so that you can go and be on lifestyles of the rich and famous? No, that's not what it says. The wealth of the Christian is given to you to establish his work in the land. Doesn't mean you don't partake of it, but the abundance of that wealth is not given to you for you. It's given to you that, the, that that would be given to establish a great work of God in the land. And you know what Jesus would say this morning? Is anybody listening? Is anybody hearing this? Is anybody understanding this? And we should be like, let's just say it together. Jesus, in the name of Jesus, Holy Spirit, activate my power to obtain wealth. And I vow to do with it as you established to place your covenant in the land. Building churches, building ministries, that's what the covenant looks like. Healing. God says he sends his word and heals your diseases. Proverbs 1, 7. Your sick in body, begin to read verses. 
Begin to put the word in you. Begin to meditate on the promises. Begin to declare those promises over your body. Said Proverbs 4, the word is held to your flesh and marrow to your bones. That's not a poem. It's not a poem. It's truth. And here again, is anybody listening? Jesus would say that. Do you hear these things? Do you hear what's being said? Vision. God gives you a vision. He gives you a step. You know, you begin to activate. God shows you. You have to risk towards the vision. It's a culture of risk. What is risk? Let's define risk. Ready? Say this with me. Risk, risk. is anything that is uncomfortable for me. That's how we define risk. Risk is anything that's not comfortable for you. God is calling you to something, and there will always be, say it with me, there will always be an element of risk. Always. God will always call you beyond yourself. There will always be an element of risk. He will always call you to do something that's uncomfortable for you. Always. Because it's a culture and a kingdom of risk. We confess, we act, we act again. This is where it's talking about the progression. You say, man, pastor, I've prayed over my life. I've confessed over my life. I did it for two days and nothing happened. Really? Confess again and again and again and again and again and again. I've tithed. I've sowed seed. Nothing happens. I'm still as broke as I was when I walked in the door. Do it again and again and again and again and again until that blade comes through the earth. Until that seed produces what God has commanded it to do. Huh? We give up. We're like the seed that has no root in themselves. It gets hard and we go, well, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. And we teach Christians to settle. Because <sighs> we just don't want anybody to be disappointed. I got friends or pastors, that's what they do. Well, we don't want anybody to be disappointed. Like what? I mean, how in the world do you ever... I will take the disappointments... <laughs> For the victory, any time. Any time. You give me 10 points appointments for one victory, and I'll take it. Because the victories of the Lord are amazing. Nothing like it. I don't need Jesus to be disappointed. I got that one figured out. I don't know about y'all. I got that one down pretty good. I know how to live in disappointment or create my own disappointment. <laughs> We go again and again. Elijah told that servant, go again. Elijah, there's no rain. Go again. Elijah, there's no rain. And he saw a cloud. What did the cloud look like? A hand, a fist. Good enough. He prayed until he saw the hand of God breaking through. And when he saw the hand of God breaking through, he said, it's going to rain. You pray until you see that blade coming through. You give until you see that blade coming through. You do what it says, and you don't quit. You say it with me. Don't quit. That is a high value of the kingdom. We are a middle name. Say it with me. My middle name is not quitter. My middle name is champion. That's right. Last slide. Faith has to be fought for. Faith doesn't come easy. You have to fight for it. <laughs> you got to fight for faith. You got to fight to find it. You got to fight to give it. That's why it says the fullness of faith in thanksgiving. That's why it says, well, Lord, I can't find faith. Where do I find faith? You know what he says? Find something to be thankful for and faith will come. Well, try it out. You'd be amazed. Find something to be thankful for faith will come. The fullness of faith will come when you start finding what to be thankful for. We enter his gates with what? That's right. 
That's right. That's right. Jesus sows the seed of promise, and he says, is anyone listening? And then he takes them out into a boat, okay? Right after he's done this whole thing, and he says, you guys paying attention to what I'm saying? He goes on and on and on and on. Does anybody believe what I'm saying? Will the Son of Man find faith on the earth when he comes? He goes on and on and on and on. He goes on and on. Then he takes them out into a boat and right into a storm. The storm's about to sink the ship. And they're freaking out. Oh, Jesus, don't you care that we're, not, we're perishing? Don't you see what's going on here? Don't you love us? But before they left the shore, he said, we're going to the other side. Then Jesus gets in a boat and goes to sleep. And so they wake him up. And it's interesting to me. Jesus didn't wake up and goes, oh, man, dude, guys, I'm so sorry. I was tired. Man, Man, I prayed for that lady at the, church, at, the, at the shoreline, and she just wore me out, you know, so I'm sorry. Right now, I just, uh, I don't know what happened to me. I fell asleep. Oh, there's a storm. Oh, yeah, peace be still. He didn't do that. He just woke up and goes, why did you not believe? Didn't I tell you you were going to the other side? What, didn't I say it? Did I say to you under any circumstances you were going to drown in the sea? Have I told you? You were going to drown in the sea. Is that what I said? Answer, no. What did you say? We're going to the other side. And when, when God tells you that's what's going to happen, it does not matter what is thrown against you because it will happen. Our problem is, is we do not set our face into the wind. We freak out. The boat's rocking. We're jumping overboard. And then we drowned because we left what God had told us to do. And we start going, oh, God, you let me drown. No, dude, you got off the boat. <laughs> Paul asked for a word when his was in a shipwreck. The Lord told him what to do. He said, look, if we do what the Lord has said, nobody's going to perish. That's it. Didn't he say it? And you know what? Not one of those sailors perished. Everything they had, they got, they got shipwrecked, all this other stuff, because God was moving Paul in a different direction, all that other story behind that one. But the whole idea was that what the Lord says comes to pass. Has he told you you were going to be broke? No, your Bible doesn't say that. Has he told you you wouldn't succeed? Your Bible doesn't say that. Has he told you you would be beneath and under somebody's booty your whole life? Your Bible doesn't tell you that. I just read for you Deuteronomy 28 this morning. There's nowhere in that list of promises where God says you are anything but blessed. This is what we have to understand. This is what we have to get. Who we are. Who he is makes you love him, man. You're like, what? Dude, wait a minute. This, so you're trying to tell me that it's like this? And it's like, yeah. Yeah. Kevin, in fact, it's so much like that, it's beyond your ability to understand. Because eye is not seen, ear is not heard. It hasn't even entered into your heart the things that I've prepared for you because you love me. And that's the same thing to you. It's beyond your ability to comprehend. So whatever you can comprehend, he's got more from that. He's got more on top of it. So i got to close. Say this with me. Didn't Jesus say it? I will not fear. Because the Lord has said it, I will not fear. Say this. I will find the promises, and I will stand upon them. I will find the promises, and I will align, and I will obey the conditions, and I will reap the cycle of certainty. In Jesus' name, let me bless you. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you. And may he be gracious to you and give you peace. And may you forever live in his favor. In Jesus' name, amen. God loves you. We love you. Have a great week. Boom.